You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, February 4th. As always, I'm your host, with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Latest piece just dropped on there, by the way. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. It's a fun one. Um... Please, as always, you can check me out on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. If that's uh, your thing, you want Padres-centric content, then we got you covered over there, guys. And if you want to see my ugly mug, see what shirt I'm wearing. I'm wearing a cool little uh, shirt for my favorite one of my favorite shows, One Piece. Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel, Locked on Padres, for the audio listeners. It is in the description. For today's episode, we got a good one, man. It is Mock Trade Friday, all right? We're going to be talking about a bunch of mock trades that came out via The Athletic uh, a few weeks ago, actually, January 11th, so more than a few weeks ago. I didn't realize, look, I was sick for an entire week. All right. My apologies, listeners. Uh, I was just sick for a whole week. So a lot of my plans got delayed and messed up and whatnot. But um, and if you hear me sniffling, by the way, that's another reason I'm, st- I'm starting to come down with a cold a little bit. But uh, going to be going over a bunch of mock trades that were sent in here, giving my thoughts on all the players in general that are involved. Dennis Lynn went over some kind of suggestions that were sent in by readers. And I think that there were a lot of interesting uh, trades. I think some of them were just no from one team or the other, uh, but we're going to go over them and use it as a blueprint, as a as a kind of starting point to talk about all the players in general and how I feel about them. So going to be really fun. And then answering a listener question at the end that I got via the old YouTube comments. That's right, guys. You don't just uh, hit me up on Twitter, right? You can hit me up on a, a bunch of different places. All right, you could you could comment in the YouTube description. I'll answer your question. So that's enough talking, guys. Let's get into it. I've been talking way too much already. Let's get into it. The first mock trade proposal that is mentioned in this article is outfielder Robert Hassel, starting pitcher Ryan Weathers, shortstop Jackson Merrill, and shortstop Victor Acosta to the Athletics for Matt Olson and starting pitcher Shamanaya. Matt Olson, of course, being the first baseman. Okay. This is, look, this would be a dream scenario uh, deal, obviously. What I will say is this, is while you might be thinking to yourself, oh man, like, those are like the two biggest assets Oakland has, probably, with the exception of Frankie Montas probably being a little bit higher up there. Um, and my thing is, yes, that is true. But in fairness, there is a bulk package here. When you look at the fact that Oakland is going to be starting to rebuild, it's very clear they're going to be rebuilding. When you look at Victor Acosta and Jackson Merrill, especially Acosta, who's a little bit more of a lottery ticket, but Jackson Merrill, who's grading pretty decent, they're very, very young players that are going to uh, surely age and get a little bit better. Whether they become stars or not is another thing. We don't know what they're going to become, but they're young and they have upside for sure. And then you look at Ryan Weathers, who, granted, had a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde 2021, um, but even still, uh, he's a valuable prospect that could be very interesting over in Oakland. And then you have Robert Hasfel, who's a top 30 prospect in baseball in general right now. And he's just grading to be like a high floor guy, a very good defensive player. There's there's just a lot of hype with that, right? And if you want to upgrade in the outfield, there's that. So it's a very sizable package. My problem is that I actually think that this trade would only work for one of the players, okay? So what I mean by that is it might t- cost all this except take out Merrill and it would be good for Matt Olson. Take out all of this except for maybe, 
what do you do here? Maybe it's you just take maybe you do Ryan Weathers, Acosta, and Merrill, and then you keep Robert Hassel and you trade it for Shamanaya. That makes more sense. But for both players, I don't think it makes too much sense because Shamanaya is regarded very well. I mentioned on yesterday's episode, 3.91 ERA. Yes, he had those games where he would get absolutely lit up, and it was a little bit frustrating, but still 200 Ks last year. He was quietly very effective, and I would know because I had him. Where did I have him, guys? On my fantasy team, guys. I am nasty at fantasy baseball, let me tell you. Although, I was pretty bad with getting pitchers last year. My one league for just baseball was pretty good. I got, like, Gosman and Shamanaya for, like, a dollar. It was pretty awesome. But anyway, um... I think that both of those players, my my issue here is it's too good to be true, right? And the other thing would be is what do you do with the current Padres first baseman? Does he become the first, the DH in this scenario if you're not sending him over? Now, don't get me wrong. That makes sense. Oakland, if they're trying to save money and they're trying to rebuild like they always do, they're not going to want to pay off the Padres first baseman's contract, right? So that's kind of the situation you have in there. But also, in fairness, I just think that... Not in fairness. I just think that the... I just think that... You have to also understand that Matt Olson's going to be a free agent, not next year, not the year after. Like, he's got club control. Sean Mania is going to be a free agent after 2022. So, to me, all of this for these two guys, it makes sense in the sense that the Padres have to win now, or at least theoretically have to try and go for it now. I just think that this isn't enough of a package because I think both of these guys could command deals on their own. And. I'm not super, super, uh, you know, aggressive to trade away Robert Hassel, especially considering that the Padres don't have a lot of outfield depth. But I still think it's a decent trade. Um, proposal idea, I liked it. It's a fun one. Um, I know Dennis Lynn in this uh, piece mentions that he might be willing to deal Chris Paddock instead, that that might make more sense because he's shown more upside like he did in 2019. Maybe he could become a reliever because Oakland has a lot of reliever issues right now with their bullpen, so that could become very helpful for them. Either way, it's not the greatest, like, oh my god, this is highway robbery in the world, but I do think the A's say no because I think that they know that they can get a lot more from Matt Olson, especially. I think that they know that the Yankees could get him. I think they think the Yankees could give up a Volpe or a Jason Dominguez. They have a little bit more interesting farm depth, and I think they'd be more inclined to do that. Sean Manaya, again, my thing with him is another one-year guy. I'd rather not do that because I'd rather just trust and bank on the pitchers that the Padres have that are question marks breaking out, right? I'd rather... I'd rather... I'd rather not give up anything and say, let's hope maybe Lamette can be healthy or Paddock can get better or Adrian Mortajon maybe comes back at some point or maybe Mike Clevenger is so awesome this year. I'd rather take that chance instead of giving up for another, like kind of giving up more assets for a pitcher. I don't know, man. And Sean Manai's advanced statistics. Well, I think he is a good pitcher. Leave a little bit to be desired. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you pull up his baseball savant page, he gets killed. Uh, with his fastball and stuff like that. Like, his walk rate is excellent, but he, he can get killed with hard rate stuff every now and then. Um, but I spent a whole lot of talking uh, time talking about that trade. Let's get into one more, guys. This one, coming by way of Jason B. Uh, in the next uh, trade, mentioned this article. The first baseman for the San Diego Padres, catcher Luis Campizano, to the Cubs, for catcher Wilson Contreras and outfielder Jason Hayward. Now, this trade, on the basic... Makes sense. Wilson Contreras, great player. He's going to be a free agent. It doesn't seem like that team is going to compete for the future. I know that they sound, not for the future, for the present. I know that they signed Marcus Stroman. That was just weird, though. I still don't quite understand what that deal was about if you're trying to rebuild and whatnot. But Wilson Contreras just makes sense. He's going to be a free agent. Maybe he'd want to go elsewhere to a contender, especially. It would make sense. Now, here's the thing. 
One of the biggest issues that we have with the Padres is their first baseman's contract. Jason Hayward, while you would save, I think, a little bit of money. Let's see here. Um, let's see here. Oh, it would be it would be twenty three million compared to eighteen million. So it would actually be more for him. So while while the Padres' first baseman is a huge liability, don't get me wrong, and it would be exciting to be able to be like, all right, great, this is awesome. We get to move. Cronenworth to first. We get to maybe call up C.J. Abrams. Everything's set, right? That would be great. But my problem is then you have another issue with another contract that is withholding you from making moves, all right? And that's Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward's still an okay defender in some ways, but he hasn't been good for a long time. A little bit of an albatross contract. So I just feel like you're not really... I, I don't think you're gaining enough here, especially considering, like I said, Kacharis is going to be a free agent. So I'd rather just be like, I don't want to give up this these assets and what have you. I, I mean, it's, but again, it's not, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I'd rather just wait for Luis Capizado. That's basically what I'm saying. If I'm going to make a deal for a catcher that is also going to get us a contract that is really hard to move and is going to handicap you. I don't want to give up an asset for that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a straight up swap. If that up uh, the Padres first baseman for Jason Hayward, that would make sense. But I just don't see this one. I think the Padres say no. But let's move on, guys. Before we actually move on, actually, I want to talk about something that I do think works for both sides. What I mean by both sides is you, the listeners, and me, Javier Reyes, guys. I want to talk to you about the best-tasting protein bars in all the land, guys. Those are, of course, Built Bars, right? How many times do I got to talk about these things, man? They're dynamite. They're perfect. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit, these will help you with that, guys, because they're healthy for you. Check out the macros, guys. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you're killing it, man. You're killing it. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and what I like about them the most, aside from being healthy, which is great, Great variety of flavors, man. Peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, coconut almond. You like that? Sounds pretty good, right? They even had these new Christmas flavors, eggnog or gingerbread. And trust me, the flavors you're not expected to be good will end up being awesome, man. Let me tell you. Apple almond crisp, my personal favorite. Cherry barcia, my mom's favorite. Coconut brownie chunk, the favorite of Lockdown MLB, just to give you guys an insider look. Uh, and also, speaking of insider looks, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order, guys. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, man. Let's keep it moving. Let's just keep it moving. Let's keep it moving, guys. Uh, next trade up here in terms of the mock trades sent to the Athletic is another big time one. Let me tell you, this is a, this is a oh, this is like what a next to the Oakland trade. This this is blockbuster, baby. You know what I mean? So you have to get these uh, talked about first. Starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore, outfielder James Wood, starting pitcher Ethan Elliott, and shortstop Victor Casa to the Pirates for outfielder Brian Reynolds. Now, first, you might be wondering. Holy cajoli, is that a big prospect? Uh, it's just, just package in general for one player. The reason why it is a lot is because Brian Reynolds is 27. He turned into an elite uh, defender this past season. And, and, what else? What else? He's a great offensive player. And on top of that, four years of control. It would give the Padres their left fielder of the near future. They are in a win-now mode. It makes a lot of sense. Now, however, however. There are some questions to this. The questions to this is, how much are you banking on the Pittsburgh Pirates just doing what they always do, which is trading their stars before they hit free agency? They always do this, and it's frustrating. And it, again, baseball's just 
baseball's messed up, man. What do you want me to tell you? They just teams are like, oh, well, we didn't win in three years. Oh well, we got to reset. It's 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 rough sometimes, man. But with um Brian Reynolds. I do kind of wonder, like, would they be inclined to move him? I still say no. Everyone I've talked to that knows the Pirates and whatnot say no. They think that it would have to be an astronomical package. And while the package that the Padres would be giving up here is impressive, James Wood, a big, big power guy, talked with Arm Layton recently on the podcast. Go check that out back on Friday about the Padres' top prospects. He loves James Wood and thinks he's actually going to increase as time goes along. He actually thinks that the Padres' system is, while not as elite as it once was, still has some back-end depth, and James Wood is a good reason why. He's a very good prospect, right? Ethan Elliott, nice back-end of the rotation guy. Maybe this guy is, um, who did the Padres trade? For what's-his-face. Eric Lauer. Maybe he's an Eric Lauer type. Maybe he's a Zach Davies type. Back end of the rotation. Gives you some depth. Not a bad, you know, person to deal in a trade. He could be interesting. Victor Acosta, a nice lottery ticket who would become... Who would come of age basically when Brian Reynolds enters free agency. So that would make sense. That's really cool. And then Mackenzie Gore, who is the biggest, like... I, I mean, we talked about Jekyll and Hyde earlier. That's Mackenzie Gore, right? But Mackenzie Gore is still only 23. And I will mention that... For Reynolds, you still, as as Dennis Lynn notes here, they still have to sell tickets and what have you. And given that Brian Reynolds has become basically a star, it's like, do you really want to do that for Mackenzie Gore? I think you do that for a C.J. Abrams type of prospect. And by the way, before any aggregators come after me, I'm not suggesting that the Padres should trade C.J. Abrams for um, Brian Reynolds whatsoever, especially with the current state of their farm system. But... That's the kind of deal that I think that they'd be looking for. I think they need a little bit more sure of a thing. Although, I have to say, it's also possible that the Padres might be like, you know what, let's wait a little bit. Mackenzie Gore is still only 23. And Ruben Niebla just got brought in as a uh, pitching coach for the team. And Ruben Niebla is beloved over in the Cleveland uh, realm. And he's turned much worse pitchers into incredible talents, right? So that guy... Working with Mackenzie Gore, that could be really interesting. I just think that while it is an exciting deal, it would it is clearly the number one type of player that the Padres would want. I just think that there are other ways to potentially get a decent left fielder uh, than giving up so many assets, and pretty solid assets, by the way, for Brian Reynolds. I think the Pirates say no, and I actually think the Padres say no, too. I think that they're really, I don't know, we have to see. I think there would be, have to be a long conversation about Mackenzie Gore in the front office, and I imagine that they're having these conversations all the time. Let's move to the next trade, which I find the most no out of all of these in the entire article, right? That is starting pitcher Ryan Weathers and infielder Uribiel Angeles to the Blue Jays for outfielder Lourdes Goriel Jr. All right. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had a decent moment last year. He became a little bit of memes if you follow some parts of Blue Jays' Twitter because him and Vlad Jr. are such good friends. You can see them partying. That team has such good vibes to it. My problem is this, and Dennis Lynn mentions this. Gurriel in 2021, 541 plate appearances, 1.5 F4. Not the worst in the world, especially considering that might be a more dynamic hitter, a much more uh, solid uh, plate approach, just a pure hitter. And everybody's raving that he's probably going to get a little bit better. At least that's what people think. Then you look at Tommy Pham in 2021, who was basically a disaster for the Padres, but 561 plate appearances, 1.5 F4. Interesting. And if you go to Fangraph's Zips projections, which we'll be going over next week, the projections for Gurriel, 114 OPS plus and a 1.5 war, while the Zips projections for Tommy Pham are 105 OPS plus, but a 1.7 war. So my thing is this. 
And again, we will be talking about those disc projections hopefully next week. I haven't gotten into them yet, uh, breaking down the projections for the Padres. But my thing is this. Is that that much of an upgrade to to deal Ryan Weathers? I get the Uribiel Angeles thing, especially because he's an infielder and the Padres are really stacked with infielders right now. But you really want to do that for Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? I'd rather just keep Ryan Weathers. I know he was scary at the back end of last year, but again, with Nabla there, with some more interesting, uh, what's it called, office movement, my thing is I'd rather just keep Ryan Weathers. This isn't enough of an upgrade. I would bring in any number of free agents for a buck or two, and I'm not saying that Tommy Pham is necessarily the route to go here, but I just don't think that's enough of an upgrade to move the needle and suggest that they should give up some assets. Even if the assets, like Angeles, are insane. I'm not saying that that is like a all-timer sort of asset, but to me, I just don't see it, man. I, I just don't see it, and I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I'd much rather see the Padres go and sign some low-ball free agent. I'd much rather them sign Tommy Pham than trade for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., so don't get that one. Moving on now to a trade that is really, really interesting. That I like this one a lot, guys. All right. Starting pitcher Ryan Weathers, starting pitcher Efron Contreras, and starting pitcher Pedro Avila to the Twins for outfielder Max Kepler. Very, very interesting. As he talks about here, Kepler is a 28-year-old and another trade candidate with limited fanfare and the ability to help build a sustainable contender. I'm reading now from Dennis Lynn, by the way, word for word. Kepler is a strong right fielder who could spell who could spell Grisham in center while allowing Myers to move back to left. At this point in their careers, he's also an offensive upgrade over Myers with more power and substantially better plate discipline. Kepler has two years and $16.25 million left on what has been a reasonable contract. A package containing a couple of the Padres' better young arms seems commensurate. So, he says the Twins say no. I get that. I get that. But I do think that I think the Twins might want a little bit more in this package. But even then, again, Ryan Weathers is not a bad one, especially since they need some pitching. They already lost uh, Jose Barrios. I think it could make sense, man. I actually like this trade for both teams. I think Kepler could be that solid player. And look, I know what you're thinking. You read the slash line. Wasn't as effective last year when you look at all of this stuff, right? You look at his slash line last year. Let me just pick that up right quick. Um... Granted, it was a little bit of a down year for the entirety of the Twins at 121 games, 211, 306, 413. He knocked in 19 home runs, stole 10 bags, but decent right fielder. He's the type of guy that you bring in, you're buying low, right? That you're saying Max Kepler is better than this. They did it with Trent Grisham recently. Why can't they do it with Max Kepler? I actually like this trade a decent amount. I think if you are going to give up Ryan Weathers, a solid player like Max Kepler is the way to go. Would you potentially be selling low on Weathers because of that second half where he seemed to fall off? Yes, but if you want to get a decent low-cost option who could play right field for you, there there are worse ways to go, especially given that the Padres don't exactly have a lot of salary that they can throw around right now. Um, the next trade that I want to talk about, guys, before we uh, get into, or actually there's two more trades. There's a two more. There's three more trades. My God, I forgot how many mock trades were in this thing. Uh, Ryan Weathers to the Angels, as well as infielder Hassan Kim for outfielder Brandon Marsh. Um, look, look, this sounds fun. Brandon Marsh, I think, is going to be a very interesting player. He's been compared to a Charlie Blackman. He's been compared to just a guy that has a little bit of everything. He play um, play some good defense. They call him Jesus because he has the giant beard, but. The Angels aren't doing this, man. I know that they need pitching, and I know that Hassan Kim would be a pretty decent fit for them. But my thing is that I just think that um, Marsh has so many, so much upside, 
right? And the team wants to acquire more starting pitching. If the team wants to acquire more starting pitching, I think that they want a little bit more of an upside guy or a more established veteran like a Luis Castillo or any of the guys from Oakland. They already brought in Syndergaard this past offseason, right? So I think that they want a more sure thing if they were going to give up Brandon Marsh, right? So that doesn't make any sense to me. I say the Angels say no. The Padres would probably say yes, but the Angels say no. This next one's really fun. Starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore to the Angels for outfielder Joe Adele. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is a very interesting case of two prospects that were really highly regarded that both underperformed, right? That's the thing, though. I think that the Padres are in win-now mode. I think that the Angels are in win-now mode. They both can't afford to trade high upside guys for high upside guys that they don't know for sure, right? Especially if they're in kind of a win-now mode. I don't see this happening for either team. Joe Adele's very exciting as a prospect, but I think he could become something special. And I think the Angels would rather keep him. Again, if they're going to trade for a starting pitcher, I think the Angels want a little bit more big league proven. They don't want a guy, especially given their track record, that could just fall by the wayside and just end up pretty poorly, right? And now on that note, we have one last trade to go over before answering a listener question, guys. But before we do that, guys... I want to uh, speak because basically prospects and whatnot, you're basically making bets. Are you not? You know what I mean? You're betting is this guy. It's a little bit of stock markety. You know what I'm saying, guys? But here's the thing. All right. We got the Super Bowl coming up, man. And I know a lot of you. I know you listeners. You play some bets. Maybe you're making bets with your buddies and maybe you're making pizza bets, which is my favorite type of bet to make. If you see my body mass, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but there might be. Less football played. There might be less space. No baseball being played. But BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on, guys. From scores to the totals to player performance props to where next coach fired is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And, of course, not just football. Basketball, baseball, hockey, boxing, UFC. They got all the best odds in the business. And they got your favorite Vegas casino games. You like the old blackjack? You like playing poker? Some Texas Hold'em? But they got it. You know what I mean? They got all sorts of stuff over at Bet Online, man. It's fantastic. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. We're in the final stretch. The final countdown. Dude. Last trade mentioned in this mock trade article from Dennis Lynn, which I think has been really excellent and it's a lot of fun. Maybe you guys disagree with me and whatnot. Last one, Will Myers to the Red Sox for outfielder Jackie Bradley Jr. and a low-level prospect. That was the last one suggested. Oh, my God. Look, here's the thing about Jackie Bradley Jr. Excellent defender. Would definitely be a better defender than Will Myers. It would be awesome. And I've talked a lot about how, you know, Will Myers has been, or I should say the Padres outfield has been one of those things where I want to trade for a guy that isn't a super negative. You know what I mean? I want, that's why with Nick Castellanos, that worries me how poor he is as a defender, porous defender, right? And don't get me wrong, you can stomach that when you can just play him at DH, but if you play him at DH, where's the Padres first baseman go? Because he's pretty bad at defense too. So there's so many variables that have to be figured out with signing Castellanos on top of the money that would be owed to him. So my thing is this. Jackie Bradley Jr., incredible defender. Not what he used to be, which was like Willie Mays Hall of Fame level defender, but he's still a very good defender. My problem is this. He's owed $17.5 million compared to Myers, who's owed twenty-one, which is a nice, you're saving a little bit of money, but is it enough to justify losing that potential offensive upside of Myers? I know he wasn't very good last year, and he didn't hit the ball very well, but Jackie Bradley Jr., 
Guys, he's so frustrating to watch. He had one season. I'm actually just going to see if I can pull this up right now. I think that guy had one season where he was like a solid offensive player. And it was really fun. I remember he was like a big thing in fantasy baseball circles because he had like an incredible first half. Let me see if I could find it right now, actually. Jackie Bradley Jr., Jackie Bradley Jr., Jackie Bradley Jr. He's a right fielder. Uh, or he was a right fielder for the Red Sox. It was, yes, 2020. He was good, I guess, because for Boston, you know, 283, but it was a shortened season. His last kind of okay season, I think it was in 2017, 245, 323, 402. He had 17 bombs, stole 18 bases. Was it that year? Was it the year in 2018? Ah, uh, no. It was 2016. He had 26 bombs that year somehow with a 267 average, 349 on base, 486 slugging. So don't get me wrong. Jackie Bradley Jr. has had his moment or two, but I just... Are you saving enough money to justify it, right? Are you? Um, and the other thing is, the Red Sox, like, like, do they really, you know, like, are they willing to to do this? I don't see this for the Red Sox more than I don't see it for the Padres. So that's just me. I think that it's not the worst trade idea in the world because you'd be shoring up your defense. And that has a – look, tr- trust me, that's a big, big impact. But for me, Myers, I'm just like, all right. And granted, what I do like about this trade is if you do trade Myers, it has to be for an outfielder because you don't have any outfield depth. So you would have to do that. But I don't know, man. I just think that there are better ways to solve this. I would rather go the route of trading the Padres first baseman and putting Myers somewhere else and like kind of just figuring that out versus trying to trade for Jackie Bradley Jr. But then again, low-cost deal for both teams. It would be really sad to see Myers go. I will say that. He's kind of become like a fan favorite. But it makes sense. I just don't get why. Boston would do it. That's my thing. I don't I don't exactly get why Boston would do it. Um especially if they have to give up another low end prospect. But again, there are worse things to do, especially since Myers is going to be an expiring. But I also like the idea of waiting to see if Myers can do what he did in 2020 and then maybe sh- um um sending him off at the deadline if the Padres aren't doing well. That I could see as well. But again, not a bad trade. I think the Red Sox say no, but the more I think about it, actually, I know Jackie Bradley Jr is a mess offensively, but I don't know, man. Like, it's not like Myers was, you know, killing it last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not like he's killing it. It would be a, it would be a little bit of a minus in offense, but is the defense worth it? That's the big question, guys. Last thing I want to talk about is a listener question that was sent in the old YouTube comments the other day on yesterday's episode from Dan LeBlanc. Thank you for sending in your little question there, Dan. The Dodgers and the Padres were the only two teams to exceed the luxury tax in 2021. It's no secret the Padres are desperate to move salary. Hypothetical. There's a mystery team that's willing to swallow 100% in parentheses, uh, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, of the Padres' first baseman's contract and return a half-decent prospect to the Friars. But they want something else very painful in return, either Jake Cronenworth or Trent Grisham. Which player are you willing to move? Why or why not? And which non-top 50 player would you expect in return? Uh, Look, don't get me wrong. I get it. Let's be very clear on one thing. I know some listeners might be thinking, why in the why do the Padres have to... If the Padres are getting rid of their first baseman, their current first baseman, the trade in a vacuum is probably going to be an L because that's how bad the contract is. Four more years, and he had a zero war last year. Yes, maybe you can expect a little bit of improvement, but I get it. I get that, you know, and unable to move him anywhere. You will have the DH and all that. That is nice, hopefully, next year. That seems like to be the only one that the MLBPA and the MLB can agree on it that that seems a certain, right? Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, by the way, screw the owners, if you guys saw some of the updates yesterday. Um, but my issue is this. You have to trade Grisham and Cronenworth? 
Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. I think that the issue, the thing that you would be doing here is you would be trading one of their big prospects, right? You'd be trading a hassle. You'd be trading a Campizano or Gore. Abrams is untouchable, but that's who you'd be giving up, right? And if you had, if you did that for a non-top 50 player, I'm not trading for a non-top 50 player, uh, Jake Cronenworth, especially, and I'm probably not doing that for Trent Grisham. Why? Two reasons. Cronenworth, because he's a stud. That's why I'm not doing it. Among second basemen, he's third in F4 since the beginning of 2020 with only Brandon Lau and Jose Altuve. Or not Jose Altuve. Brandon, Al- Brandon Lau and who was the other one? I'm for- I'm forgetting a very obvious second baseman right now. It's probably Altuve still. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this, guys. But that's the big problem is that Cronenworth is just straight up too good. And then the other problem is, yes, Grisham has a lot of value because he has that club control too. Same thing with Cronenworth. But he has a lot of value. But here's the problem. The Padres don't have enough depth in the outfield. All right. What player are you getting that's non-top 50? That makes sense. Marcus Simeon. There we go. Marcus Simeon was the other one. Yeah, duh. He literally was like an MVP finalist. Um, It doesn't make sense to do that for a non-top 50 player, right? I looked around at a lot of teams. The non-top 50 players that you could trade for, just based on what I was looking for, are for teams that aren't really selling right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like the Yankees are selling on DJ LeMahieu. It's not like, by the way, that would be another contract to deal with. I'm just looking around at teams, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Byron Buxton, he just got signed to a contract for the twins they're not moving him anywhere that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense i'm just looking at ryan mountcastle he plays first base that's not a bad one ryan mountcastle if you traded him to baltimore somehow and they ate all the contract but that's my thing if you would also have to give up either a prospect or chrisham or cronenworth and maybe get mountcastle in return that could be really good that could be good but i just think that there are other ways to try and ameliorate this you know what i mean but that's a fun little trade there right they you send the Padres first baseman to baltimore They eat all the contract, and then you send Grisham, and in exchange, you get Ryan Mountcastle. Not the worst thing in the world. He'd be the first baseman. I think that guy's got power up the butt, man. Let me tell you, that guy's got power like crazy. Draft him in your fantasy leagues, by the way. I think Mountcastle's going to be pretty solid this year. He might hurt you in batting average and and on base a little bit, but I think the power is going to outweigh it. Like, I'm smelling like a Joey Gallo, but without the same number of walks type of thing. You know what I mean? He was awesome in the second half. Draft Ryan Mountcastle in your fantasy leagues this year, guys. Um, Also because his name rules. So why wouldn't you do that? But that's just a funny little trade-up proposal I came up on the fly. Thank you for the question, Dan. But I just think that for non-top 50 players, I know that part of this is that you'd be getting rid of the Padres' first baseman contract. But you just can't trade those two guys. We are still trying to win now. And a guy like Cronenworth and a guy like Grisham, the only... Players that you give up in a lost trade are the prospects, really. And if if you're not getting a top 50 player in return, then it doesn't make sense to do it, right? So, I like the I like the question a lot. It's really fun, but hey, this is the the situation the Padres are in, right? It's gonna be a loss if they're able to trade this guy. It just is. It just is. But you guys also remember you can send me questions in the YouTube comments. Subscribe to YouTube, of course. You can hit me up on Twitter. All those things for future questions. I love making them a part of the episodes. It's just uh, just a lot of fun. And with that all being said, before we close out, guys, you made Locked On Potties your first listen. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, in terms of the future of this podcast, guys, going to be talking next week about the Padres' Zips projections, breaking down the entire roster. That should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I don't go over the time limit and whatnot. Um, also planning to do a crossover with Lucas Smith of Lockdown Cardinals. 
just talking all sorts of stuff. Probably talk between the two teams and how that they had their wild card race and what happened there in that dreadful series that resulted in Tatis and Machado yelling at each other famously uh, in the dugout. But we're going to talk a bunch of stuff there. Also, going to be talking about some articles that I'm writing up for Just Baseball. Might have a little bit of fun with that, right? Might be have a little bit of fun talking about fictional baseball players and whatnot. Again, we're in the lockout. Don't yell at me that there isn't necessarily Padres stuff to talk about. But we got stuff there. We've got more trade proposals that are probably going to be sent in and more crossovers, guys. The fun, it's just getting started, man. I'm telling you. It's just getting started. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from. All platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-N-O. At LO underscore Padres. Subscribe to YouTube, Locked on Padres. Until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.